0: The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought
1: to you in association with the Scottish Government. Welcome along to the first of our Nutrient Strategy Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Jim McFarlane. Jim um, G- Jim is from Edring- Edrington Estates. Uh, Jim has been using a mintel establishment for the last 20 years, and is keen to understand a bit more about using compost and bulky organic manures as a way of improving soil health and organic matter. I'm also delighted to be joined today by Audrey Lettrick from Earth Care Technical. Audrey has over 25 years experience as a crop and environmental scientist. And during the past 12 years, she has specialized in composting and AD systems, uh, fertilizers and the use of compost, digested and other organic materials. Uh, Back in October of 2020, Audrey also attended the the Borders Nutrient Network Forum where uh, she she gave an excellent summary of bulky organic fertilisers, and uh, we also looked at the soil health test results on Kerchester's farm. Uh, so, for a recording of the the video for that meeting, please visit the Faz YouTube page and and click webinars where you'll find the full meeting. So, so G- Jim and Audrey, welcome along today. It's uh, great great to have you both both along. Uh, Jim, I'll I'll maybe just start with you, if that's okay. Do you um, just want to give us a wee introduction about Edrington estate and uh, just a a bit of a background to the farm and what you're doing there? Yes, Uh, well, we're we're, uh, we're a 325 hectare uh,
0: farm. of which about 215 is arable um the, there's about 30 hectares of grazing some of it pretty rough and the rest is uh, river banks and woodland and uh, various kind of scrubby hawthorn so two, 215 hectares arable which uh, like you said I've been uh, mintilling for dabbling for 10 years and kind of full mintill really for for the last 20 or so um, I've moved on to strip till drill uh, three years ago and uh, the whole kind of aim is is to, to reduce costs and get better establishment because we're, we're on Pretty heavy, with some serious land. Uh, in in the majority, um, we do have about a third of the farm on lighter kind of riverside land. And on the whole, it's quite challenging stuff to to work with. Uh, as for cropping, we, uh, given the land type, uh, winter wheat's are our, our main mainstay crop. Really, um, everything else kind of revolves around. Around that, we, we do grow uh, about 70 to 80 hectares of winter wheat in, in an average year. Um, Maybe 40 to 45 spring barley for malting. It's going to be a challenge in heavier land. A uh, little bit of winter barley, probably about 20 hectares of winter barley, about 30 to 40 winter hours of late. And I grow about 15 to 20 hectares of spring beans, which are on a seed contract. Uh, at the moment, I do have, have an agri environment climate scheme, so I have a, uh, some overwinter stubbles in that, and also some uh, overwinter stubbles followed by summer green manure um, as, as part of that scheme. Uh, I'm here in my own really run the farm myself. Uh I'm the manager here uh but I do all the work myself really just with a little bit of help leading in at harvest time. So uh, the strip tilling is another way to try and reduce the workload um, and reduce costs.
1: Yeah, no brilliant. And uh Jim, one of your your other focuses is obviously as as a as a um, non livestock f- farmer would would be soil organic matter and 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 soil health. Um, what's your sort of um, strategy th- there? Um, how do you um, are you aware of your um, or organic matters um, and and how do you sort of try to try to um, try to add back back to your uh, system
0: yeah uh well i have to confess i've never i've never measured the organic matter but you know we have had ongoing challenges with uh these wet seed beds really and and i know that the higher the organic matter the easier it will be to work and so that, that was really the the initial um reason for for heading down the route all, all these years ago and I have to say it's it's been a long road and, and there have been times wh- when I, I've thought the progress has been a bit limited but I think I think you forget just how bad it used to be so I, I do think there are improvements and and if I think back now in in some of our heaviest fields uh, I think they're actually changing colour a bit now. You know, they, they don't look as grey as they used to. There's a bit more uh, dark colour about them, which I think shows that the organic matter is improving. But I'm the first to admit that I should probably have tested the levels and have, have a benchmark to, to go on.
1: Uh, just in terms of um, uh, products coming on, on to the farm, you mentioned. Um, mentioned to me earlier that you had a, a muck for straw. deal. Uh, do you want to tell us a wee bit more about that and, and uh, how you go about applying that, that onto the, the fields and where that fits into your rotation?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I have a, a, a straw for muck arrangement with a neighbour, uh, which I've done for uh, many years, really. Um, so all the all the spring barley straw gets baled. All the winter barley straw gets baled, and if it's required, some some winter wheat straw gets baled too. Uh, so that goes off the farm and comes comes back as as FYM. Um, I used to just stack it in the yard and s- spread it up the tramlines in the spring. Uh, which worked really well, actually. I I applied it to wheat in April. Um, It was good, but I I felt that we could maybe do better. So I started to um, move it from the yard uh, into a field uh, and put it in windrows for for composting. Uh, Part of the reason for this was Super weren't happy about it. sitting on a concrete base in the in the farmyard, which uh, was a bit of a problem for me. But but I I wanted to, to kind of improve the quality of the product and maybe get more out of it. So so uh, I found a, a contractor that could turn the windrows for me. So basically, it just gets it gets cutted into a permanent grass field and just Dumped in a long row uh, by the trailer load, tidied up a little bit so that the windrower can can cover it, and then he comes straight in really as as soon as I have a decent windrow, and turns it, uh, probably twice in the first fortnight after I've called him in, and then he he keeps an eye on the on the temperature and. Uh, turns it perhaps twice more before it's spread and it does seem to um break down very quickly into a kind of odorless black compost which is uh, far easier to spread
1: could, could you just um tell us a wee bit more about the the process of compost and uh the the fym uh how many weeks does it take and what product is it? Is it is it a uh, cattle or is it a mixture of products? Well,
0: it, it it's it's cattle manure uh, predominantly. Although I, I do have a uh, a couple of uh, professional gardeners who, who dump garden waste, and possibly get about a hundred tons a year. Maybe if I'm lucky, of that which I mix in uh, when it gets transported to the field. On the whole, it's just straight FYM, um, about 850 tonne that, that comes from the neighbour. Now, he'll muck out his sheds m- maybe in early January, and the, uh, I'll immediately uh, shift it along to the, to the field and the windrows. So uh, the process begins in January, and it's ready to spread by mid-April, really um so having had maybe four turns, three or four turns.
1: you're obviously applying in the spring to to standing crop you know is this a a a better product for spreading or a a, a more even even product what are the the sort of advantages offered in terms of you know the practicalities
0: yeah well yes it, it, it is much easier to spread although i have to say that the uh spread it with it with a double spinning disc didn't did make a good job of spreading the straight FIM but there are there are less lumps it's it's, it's almost uh, invisible in, in, the, in the crop really if you're looking across the field of wheat um of course you, the volumes kind of uh, reduced by half um and I've found that the the cost of turning the windrows is, is almost exactly the same as the reduction in spreading costs so so really it's you're spreading half the volume but hopefully with double the nutrient value so it's going on at 10 tons to the hectare generally um which is about half i used to put 20 tons a hectare on of the fym
1: jim could i just ask you a wee bit more about the the cultivation system that you've 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 got what sort of a a drill, is it that you're using? Is is this a, a single pass system, or um, just tell us a wee bit more about that?
0: Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, I have a, a sumo DTS strip till drill. Um, it it kind of depends. Sometimes I'll 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 give it a very light cultivation in front just to get a bit more tilth, uh, and it, it helps to to uh, germinate. Grass weeds. Um, I've just actually bought a second-hand straw rake to try and minimise that extra cultivation. Um, We'll see how that goes, but I I think there there is a place for a a, a light cultivation. But I'm going, you know, fifty mil maximum really, um, and even less if I can. I don't really have the right machine for doing it, but. So I'll do that after, possibly after oilseed rape um, and maybe before oilseed rape. The other, you know, after beans, I'll go straight in. um, So, and i drill the spring crops just straight into the stubble generally, unless I feel I need to give them a, a bit of a tickle to lose some moisture.
1: Yeah. Yeah and and Jim can I just ask you uh, what are the um, what are the main disadvantages with uh, your system you know what are you um what are you focused on now as a priority um, going forward
0: Well w- with with uh, uh Mintel on the on the whole uh, the biggest problem's been grass weeds uh, brome Stereo brome and soft brome, which uh, are the bane of my life, really. Uh, it's the biggest downside of the whole job, um, and it's getting quite costly to control, which is is the problem. Um, the other issues I have with, with this strip-till drill is slugs can be a wee bit of a problem. Um, initially, I found uh, I was had a slightly corrugated finish and when I, when I rolled post drilling the actual band where the seed was wasn't getting consolidated too well and that was really the the reason that I started giving it a small uh, small cultivation first um, and I have to say that this year having done that and I Double rolled after drilling. I have I've had very little slug problems. Now I'm not sure whether that's just because it wasn't been such a sluggy autumn, or whether I've cracked it. I don't know.
1: No, well, thank you very much for for giving us uh, the background to your system. And uh, Audrey, could I just start by uh, asking you, Jim? obviously um, has talked talked a bit about composting. Can I just ask you for um for folk that are, aren't familiar um with with compost could you could you could you try to give us a um a little summary of what it actually is what what are the different types and and you know its uh, role within farming
2: sure um well the technical or one of the most commonly accepted technical definitions of a compost is it's a soil conditioner made from I suppose we could say it's a soil conditioner and a fertilizer because it is both, and that's important. The soil conditioner made from organic residues through mixing, and that's very important. Mixing, self-generated heating, and aeration to form a microbially and nutritionally stable product. And there's it's, the term's quite often wrongly used. Um, it is quite often, and, and I think probably we could blame the Soil Association for this. Uh, really much as they'll have a great deal of time for the Soil Association. Um, they, they encouraged farmers to compost their manures and frequently all they really meant was leave it hanging about a bit and turn it once or twice. And there's a bit more to it than that. Really, you should have plenty of mixing to make sure that all the material gets exposed to this self-heating. You've got to have self-generated heating right throughout all the materials. And also you've got to have aeration. And there's, there's the difference. So a compost should be have air, in other words, oxygen permeating through it during the time that it's being made. Now that doesn't happen easily in straw cattle manure, because straw cattle manure is a pretty dense material. And the less straw in it, the more the more dense it is and the wetter it is. Um, and it's so it's actually quite difficult to make dung compost properly. Um, so we'll leave that there for a minute and I'll come back to that. So it's made through mixing, self-generated heating, and aeration to form a microbially and nutritionally stable product. So a compost which is finished or fairly mature should have a, a very large number of microorganisms, but more important than that, it should have a diverse range of microorganisms, so different types in there. And composting itself can be defined as a managed activity converts converts the waste into a resource. And again, there's quite a lot of management in producing a good compost. It's not a case of turning a dung heap once or twice. You've got to really think to get it right. And there's quite a lot to it. I'll, I'll try and describe it briefly. Um, because we'll go on to look at how to actually produce a good compost. But the main types of compost that a farmer might be able to put on his land would be those obtained from off the farm and also those that he might make on the farm. And if you're if you're bringing compost from outside, then I suppose the main types would be those that are Pass 100 accredited. Or in other words, those which uh, are accredited through the UK compost certification scheme, which is called Pass 100 and those that are not. And frankly, it's not advised, but also quite difficult to be applying non-pass compost, in other words, off-specification compost, because it's a waste. It has to be applied to land under a waste management license exemption from SEPA, and and also the um, farm assurance schemes basically don't allow it. Or the main main farm machine assurance schemes don't allow that now. Um, particularly quality meat Scotland and Scottish quality crops, um, they don't allow non-pass one hundred compost. But if a farmer is making compost on his own farm, then uh, oh sorry, I also also meant to mention there that if it's past one hundred compost you're talking about two types, either that which is made solely from garden waste, which is called green compost, and that which is made from garden and food waste, which is normally called food green compost. We don't use the word waste. It might have been made from wastes, but these materials, if they're past 100, they're no longer wastes. So the farmer can apply it without any recourse to waste management licensing regulations or exemptions. If the farmer's making it, on his own farm, and that is becoming more and more popular, I'm getting asked a lot about that, then you can make them solely from animal manures and bedding, but it is quite difficult to do that. From what Jim was saying, it sounds as though he is making proper compost, um, but a lot of times um, when when uh, farmers ask me about their compost, it's not really compost, it's kind of a cross between a stacked story cattle manure, which during which process that the decomposition is largely anaerobic. In other words, there's not enough turning going on to make the stuff, not enough turning going on to make the stuff self-heat properly in a predictable way. And there's not enough oxygen getting in. And the bugs in the end product are very different. So, um, but, but if you're turning your animal manures enough and there's enough bedding in it and the windrows are the right dimensions, then you will get compost at the end of it. It is easier to do a job of composting on farm if you're putting something else in it, something coarse and chunky. Primarily, I'm talking about wood chips, um, not so much sawdust, but but because that's, again, very dense material, but something chunky like shredded garden waste, green waste, or um, perhaps uh, shredded uh, hedge trimmings from the farm or shredded coppice from the farm. It's worth saying, though, that, Bear in mind that farmers who are bringing in wastes from landscapers um, that actually needs to come in through a waste management license exemption, paragraph 12 from SEPA. You can't bring the wastes on and just kind of do what you want with them. It's a very low cost exemption, um, but there are a few restrictions associated with using that kind of material. But it is worth it's definitely worth doing. You can make a better compost if you've got some wood chips in it. For various reasons, um, I'll say a bit more le- about that later on. I think.
1: Yeah, no, that's great, grand order And in terms of um, in terms of uh, something I've I've always been a wee bit confused about is you know, um, compost. Is it a? Can it be described as a as a soil conditioner or is it a fertilizer or or both? Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Uh, very much both. Very much both. Um, It's got valuable fertilizer nutrients in it. It's not uh, it's not a great nitrogen fertilizer normally. In fact, if you're applying your stoy cattle manure for the nitrogen in it, you're best not to compost it at all. If what you're looking for from your bulky organic materials is nitrogen, then composting is not for you because you will... By composting it, you'll definitely lose some nitrogen, unfortunately, and also you'll render the nitrogen in it less available. But people don't produce compost because they're worried about the nitrogen in it. You can get that from from elsewhere. Composts are great P and K fertilisers. They contain useful amounts of magnesium, useful amounts of sulfur, useful amounts of calcium and trace elements. So they are are good fertilisers. However, they're fantastic soil conditioners, in that they contain valuable amounts of organic matter. Obviously, the benefits that you bring to your field by applying compost will depend on the rate that you're applying the compost at. But the other very important thing is depends how much woody material is in it. Wood has um, got lots of lignin in it, and lignin forms long lasting organic matter in soils. And We did some work uh, on a project along with uh, SAC, it was back then, and uh, DEFRA and ADAS looking at the impact of compost versus farmyard manure at building organic matter in soils. And compost, which are based partly on woody material, will build soil organic matter faster than straw cattle manure. So it is worth having that wood in there because that wood will produce long lasting organic matter in soil. Composts are phenomenal soil conditioners, but they're fertilizers as well. So they're a bit of both.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jim, can I just maybe bring you back in there and just ask, uh, what's your sort of, um, what's your main uh, objective when applying um, compost? What are you looking uh, for as a, as a, product uh what's the what's your your sort of goal
0: yeah well i i i would agree with audrey there that that i'm i'm not necessarily looking to get a lot of nitrogen but it's all about improving the soil for me and uh, making them a little bit easier to manage so i mean i think uh, organic matter is key to that so uh, that's really what it's all about for me, and I, I do slightly concerned now that, that I'm maybe not turning it in enough, but it does appear to to go very quickly, you know, the, the January dump stuff seems to be pretty black, you know, small pieces, orderless by, by the middle of April, which I'm pretty pleased with. The, the contractor is very good at, at sticking a probe, a temperature probe, in into it to to see what the temperature's like, and you know if he thinks it's getting a bit warm, he'll come back and turn it quicker, which is, it seems to be pretty important, I think.
2: Yes, it is. Um, th- there's there's various things can be said about temperature. I mean, if you're trying to if you're trying to kill uh, plant pathogens in it, for example. Um, which some people might be, or animal pathogens, then the whole temperature thing becomes very important. So in that situation, you would aim to turn it every single time that the central core reached 60 degrees, which quite often means turning on day 2, day 3, day 6, day 10, and then it drops right off. But if you're not so worried about plant pathogens or nematodes or, um, or animal pathogens... Then the temperature monitoring and the turning bang on exactly the right time that's probably not quite so important. um I think the reality is you're probably doing a perfectly good job. You'll get a good steady breakdown of of organic materials doing what you're doing it It really depends your exact protocol really depends on exactly what you're trying to achieve and the stuff that you're 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 putting into it as well but it doesn't sound as if you're doing anything wrong.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I started was, you know, I'd heard that 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 compost was a almost an inoculant to the soil, and it it would stimulate the soil soils biology to to just uh, go into overdrive, really. So it, is that overstated, do you think, Audrey, or or not?
2: Well, I love that idea, and um, I think it's probably right. I spent years studying this um the difficulty is that we we have a lot of conflicting evidence and we need more evidence so um there's some evidence that if you produce a a compost particularly a compost that's got a lot of woody material in it it will contain a very diverse range of fungi and bacteria now if your soil is in generally good condition so it's it's reasonably well drained um and it's functioning reasonably well. Then there's a good chance that many of those bugs will actually survive and thrive. Um, but we and and we've also shown some very good cases where uh, composts are um, helping to suppress plant disease, helping to reduce pest numbers as well. But other cases where it has absolutely not a blind bit of effect. So. Well, and part of the difficulty is you can conduct a really good scientifically uh, designed trial, a replicated trial, and it'll tell you one thing in one situation, one field, one year, one soil type, one farmer, one farming system, and then you'll do a similar test somewhere different, and you'll get exactly you get a completely different set of results. So the long and the short of it is, I believe that I strongly get a feel. Based on evidence that applying compost regularly to arable systems is is greatly improving the situation for the farmer, it's helping to stabilise crop yields, make them more reliably um, good, uh, helping to improve crop health. But I can't say categorically that it's going to happen for every farmer. What we what we absolutely need is more people to to uh, use compost on their own farms and start recording things. And uh, one of the very, very first things that you can do most certainly is measure your soil organic matter. Even although even although you haven't done it um, since the beginning, it's still a good thing to do and be doing it now. And you can continue to measure change from, from then on in and measure other things so that you can start actually proving whether you really do uh, believe that the compost is making a difference. You're almost certainly already measuring crop yield um, in in some way. And and that's one of the first. That, that's the bottom line, really. Does anything else matter? Well, I think for many farmers, that is the bottom line. The only thing they're really wanting to do is is looking at crop quality and crop yield. I would say that people have got people who own soils or manage soil have got other responsibilities as well. Things like uh, sequestering carbon, building soil organic matter, and preventing pollution of water courses. And from that point of view these are other things that you could be measuring as well, um, you know, soil phosphate status and so on. But one of the first things to do is start, it's never too late to start actually measuring what's in your soil and find out whether your belief and my belief actually is true. And that is, are compost really impacting on the soil biology?
0: Yeah, I, I, Audrey, I, I'm well aware that I should have been Measure my uh, organic matter, I think, and, and it's probably a bit of an oversight in my part. Uh, it's never too
2: late.
0: Yeah, yeah, I should go on with it now, I think, and try and measure the improvements, if, if any.
2: Well, yes, the other thing I would suggest, um, there's a new test come out fairly recently. Um, I, I must admit, I'm not, I haven't really started using it fully really myself, because it literally only came out two weeks ago, um, and it's called Active Carbon. Now you can measure, you certainly should measure soil organic matter through loss and ignition as tested by SAC. I don't know whether SAC is doing this new test yet. I, I won't. I don't think they'll be long in jumping on the bandwagon, but a few of the British labs are offering a test called active carbon. And that is the light fraction of organic matter, which is just recently been added. And if you can measure short term changes, in year between years one, two, three, four, for example, in active carbon, then that probably gives you an idea as to whether your management practices are going to have a long-term impact on the whole soil organic matter fraction. So that's worth testing as well.
1: Jim, can I just ask a a question Uh, in terms of actually spreading um, the product? uh, Do you find you get a more consistent um, coverage with the material that you're spreading and Audrey I was just wondering as well um, w- would that finer pr- product have any effect on the availability of um, available nutrients in that season?
0: Yeah uh, uh, I mean I have to say I, I, I wasn't uh, disappointed with this spread I used to get with, with farmyard manure up the tram line so the spinning this spreader will chop it pretty well and, and it gave a really good spread for, for farmyard manure but, but you're, you're absolutely taking the, the quality of the spread to the next level with the compost because it's just so much finer and it's, it's just like a, a fine layer across the field actually of, of very small pieces you know, you, you don't get many, you know, lumps, even golf ball sized with the compost. It's small pieces and and it's very fine and, and even. So I have been delighted with, it, with the quality of the spread, uh, for sure.
1: And, and Audrey, I was just wondering, you know, uh, in terms of available nutrients, has there been any work or research done to suggest that, you know, um, uh, well, to suggest that um any of the nutrients within the product are more available uh, due to that um that um finer product or or not.
2: not not really no not really um I would say the most important thing is to try to make sure that your soils are on at the target status for for p and k and then after that, it doesn't really matter. You're you're feeding with compost. You're feeding the soil, not plant directly. Um, anyway, that's what you should always be thinking about. You're feeding the soil microorganisms first, and it's them that breaks down those organic material. There is a little bit of ammonium nitrogen and nitrate nitrogen in composts, but other than that, what you're really doing is feeding the soil first. So you're you're feeding the earthworms. You're feeding the microorganisms, and they in turn break down and feed it back uh, into the into the plant, so they'll they'll break those those materials down, and then eventually you will have the nutrients released as in, into the forms that plants can take them up. But uh, no, I I wouldn't think that's the the advantages of having it finally divided like like that will mean that it's well distributed across the field, and that um, it's not kind of clumps landing on top of uh, young growing plants. Other than that. Um, it just makes it a, a smaller volume, which is which is I guess easier to, to spread than than the, the original tonnage.
0: Yeah, uh, I suppose I suppose another um, advantage, if you like, of, of the smaller volume is um, less trips up the field with the spreader. Which yes, you know, spreading in the spring does have its issues. Uh, you know, it needs to be dry. Um, the spreader's tram, the uh, wheel track is wider than the tram lines, so yes. you know if you're if you're taking successive runs up the field, it, it can uh, damage the crop. Of um, so that that's one of the things that that you know I have found with the compost uh, versus the farmyard manure, you're, you're travelling in the field much less, and so there's there's less crop damage. You, you know you you do have to go as early as you can, really, and I have been a wee bit guilty of maybe not spreading it as quick as I should because I've been worrying about being too wet.
2: Yep, quite right. I
0: I was keen to hear you talk about wood chip hardray, and um, you know, like I said earlier, I do have a little bit of garden waste that I add add in, but I would like to do more. Um, We we do have, you know, forty hectares of scrubby woodland on the farm that uh, could probably take a fair bit of stuff out of. Do you think that would be realistic or, or too expensive to, to take some timber out and chip it to add to the compost?
2: Well other people are doing it. We don't have evidence yet for the benefits of it. It'll almost certainly make better compost. Um, just to go back a little bit, Um, there's there's three things that you need to do get really good compost and it's it's no fancy potions to buy to make it go faster or go better. It's all a bit, it's more to do with understanding how to make good compost. And um, there's two things that's not really right about stacked stoy cattle manure for composting. One of them is that the carbon to nitrogen ratio is too low. So there's not enough carbon in there. There's too much nitrogen. And unless you do loads and loads and loads of turning, and even then, it's not ideal. So technically, the carbon to nitrogen ratio should be somewhere between twenty to one and forty to one at the beginning, and forty to one in my experience is better. And you'll be nowhere near that. Whereas if you add wood chip, you'll get the carbon to nitrogen higher, and that'll help. Um, the second point that I want to make as well: the structure is not good in a in a stacked straw cattle manure. It's too dense. It's too squidgy too wet um, and it's you've got a lot of that's why farmers have to make their windows so so tiny so small and that's why they're suitable for those those over window turners that that uh, the contractors can bomb down with um but th- in some ways they would be better even smaller um in order to make sure they get enough air in um but if you were to add wood chip you could you could improve the structure and open it up making it compost much better you could make the windows ever so slightly larger and you could get self heating happening better so so basically at the during the process if you're adding wood chip, you can have a better process hotter process <coughs> and a just basically a a a more effective composting process but the final product will have more wood in it um if you put wood chip in it like that deliberately um which is a good thing because you'll encourage more fungi and many arable soils don't have enough fungi in them. And by repeated cultivations, we're smashing these fungal networks. You'll be doing much less of that because you're, you're minimum tillage now. Um, but you're, so, your, so your soils is almost certainly going to have more fungi than a, a conventionally cultivated soil. But you still could probably do with encouraging your fungal networks. And you will be doing that the more wood you put into your compost. Now, you might find that you have to leave it a little bit longer, but probably not if you've got a good process and you're you're getting enough temperatures then you should still be able to do it in about, well, between eight and 12 weeks. A commercial composter would be converting green green waste to saleable compost in eight weeks. So there's no reason why if your product is being composted well, there's no reason why you couldn't do it in the same length of time. You might have to turn a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I my mean, mine certainly seems to go in, in in three months anyway. Yes,
2: um, yes. Okay, well, you're doing a lot I mean, right then, if
0: that's Yeah, I mean the the main the main problems I have with it with the the winter compost stuff is that if we get really heavy rain or a lot of rain, it, it can cool it down pretty quickly and put the brakes on a bit. Well,
2: that shows um, me that it's near the moment, It's near your limits. So, yeah. so um, near your limits for structure and probably carbon to nitrogen ratio as well. And okay. if it's cooling down like that, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. Um, because a big, the big windrows that I work with at the recycling sites, they don't cool down. They're still sitting at 60, 70 degrees plus in the centre at the moment, despite the rain. they can be covered in snow and they're still hot in the middle. So yeah. if yours are cooling down, it's probably because they're, a bit near the natural limit for composting because the structure's too dense. So I think I think it would be a good idea to put some wood chip into it if you can spare it. The economics of it are completely unproven. I have quite a number of clients doing this just now. But the 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 costs involved differ depending on how much woodland the farm's got access to, whether they've got a chipper or whether they have to hire it in and yeah, that's it's it's worth doing.
0: Yeah, I imagine it, it'd be quite an expensive job. If, you know, I need to, if I need to hire a chipper in, and it, it, you know, it's already yes a, a labour expensive job getting it, getting the timber into the farm. Really,
2: Ab- absolutely, you're right. I mean, the guys who do it, um, the guys who do it and are considering it and are trying it just now are all producing biomass for their own biomass boilers, so it's not a big extra for them. Yeah, sure. But it's certainly worth looking into getting some, wood, some more wood chip if you can.
1: Well, it sounds like you're 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 just about maybe um, breaking even on it, Jim, with the reduction in spreading costs.
0: Yeah, it's, it's pretty evenly matched, and and I mean, you know, I, I do need to get additional benefits because I'm I'm well aware that I'm I'm losing uh, nitrogen that that, that I would have had had I been applying straight FIM, but but yes the, the 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 cost of turning is pretty much um cancelled out by the reduction and spreading costs so as far as that concerned
1: um it, it's
0: it's very similar really
1: um no that's really interesting and um, jim could i could I just move on and, and just um uh i'm just wondering could you tell us about your um strategy of applying um a the product to a standing crop um is this something that you've always done or you know what's your uh, thought process behind that
0: yeah well uh, um yeah I, I, I have done it for about eight years i think um and because i was trying to reduce cultivations i wasn't really incorporating um the, the FYM in the, in the autumn anyway, uh, which, you know, we're told we should be doing. Um, so I felt that uh, to maximise the use of my FYM, the FYM, the time to do it was was in the spring when the crop was actively growing. And I've been very happy with it. it, it even with FYM, it, it, you know, with, with a a good uh, spreader with, with, with spinning disks, it's it, it spread very well up the tram lines and um, w- w- was pretty even really but I mean the, the compost has taken that to the to the next level it, it's just it spreads easily to 24 meters and uh, you know you, you have half the volume of spreading so so really it, it, it's it's virtually unnoticeable in, in a standing wheat crop um, the, the only Problem like, like I say is is damage up the tram lines because you know the the, the tractors on, on wide tyres and the the field the spreaders wider than the, the tram lines themselves so so you do end up with with quite a bit of crop damage up the tram lines which you, you just have to accept really um, but 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 the actual uh, spreading quality is really good and I, I, don't, I don't worry about that at all. And even even in in spring barley at three leaf stage, I would be perfectly happy to to put ten tons of hectare of compost on. It, it's not a problem.
1: Yeah, and do you f- find then that you've got got quite a short window for doing doing that work in the spring?
0: Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, one of the reasons I tend to do it on wheat is is because the the, the wheat's a bit slow to get going in the spring, so it so it it increases that window. Um, I get very nervous once the crops in, uh, in stem extension, n- not because of the the crop itself being damaged, but just because of the damage you do up the tram lines. So, so yeah, uh, I do like to get it on before stem extension. Doesn't always happen, of course, and but I mean that kind of thing uh, would make it pretty difficult to 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 spread it on winter barley for example it's racing through its growth stages it's just often not the land's just often not dry enough to to get it on quick enough so i, I do like to put it on in wheat it just gives you that extra month really to, to let the land dry out
1: and audrey i'll just come come back to 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 you um please and um i was just wondering uh you know what are the advantages of um, applying um, either FYM or compost in in the sp- spring in terms of the availability of nutrients? Uh,
2: not many obvious advantages based on current knowledge, but not many disadvantages either. If it suits a farmer to do that and he can do it without damage to the crop or the soils, then there should be no disadvantages really. Um, compost is a slower of these fertilizers, so the compost won't really be providing much in the way of useful fertiliser if applied to the standing crop. It will be feeding the bugs in the soil, which in turn will, will supply the nutrients to the plants. Um, and given that most composts are applied mainly for their organic matter content, it would make equal sense to, to put them on at whenever time of year the farmer finds it's easiest to avoid soil and crop damage. So the most important thing probably is to put them up, put the compost on when the soil's in good condition to take them, which might mean varying it by a few days here and there to to, to achieve that. But the other other quite interesting thing that I have seen before is when you're applying compost to a standing crop and say there's been maybe a bit of heavy rain uh, shortly after, and there's maybe a little bit of capping on the soil surface. um, We get that a lot. Well, I get that a lot here because we've got silty soil, which is prone to capping. Uh, sometimes after the seeds have been sown and the maybe emergence is not as good as it could be, or even if emergence is okay, there's capping between between the young plants. If you're putting compost onto the top of that, then actually it can encourage earthworm activity and the earthworms will be uh, improving the soil structure right at the very, very surface. And it'll actually create better water infiltration in fields, which um, shortly after crop establishment, and that's got to be a good thing. I don't know whether that happens on on your soil, but I, earthworm activity round about uh, an early establishing crop is always a good thing, and uh, by applying compost or farmyard manure to an establishing crop, you're going to encourage that. Uh, so, so that's one good plus.
0: What I, I have found uh, on occasion, Audrey, is is that that you know, for example, in in a summer like like last year. Where it was very dry that uh, it would come to harvest and the, the compost still there, very obvious on the surface, which I was a wee bit disappointed with. Really, I th- yes. thought the worms would have taken it down by then.
2: Yes, so would I.
0: Yeah, um, so.
2: well, uh, the other thing that's worth looking at is uh, what are your earthworm numbers like? Are they, are they as you would expect or are they quite low? I would have thought in a system like yours with, with mintel. Um, and regular additions of organic matter, then I would have thought that your num- earthworm numbers would be probably fairly high. Yeah,
0: they they are, they are pretty pretty good on the whole. Yeah, well at the double figures and a spadeful. Um, well, in that
2: case, they just the likelihood is they were just way out of the the upper layers of soil. They were probably well down.
0: They probably disappeared away down when it turned dry. I
1: guess one of the big. Take homes from this conversation is you you know, order you mentioned it is um testing and uh, monitoring is is crucial really isn't it?
2: It is. Um, it's important for you as a farmer, and it's important for everybody who's taking on uh, farms from now into the future because um, we're moving into a new agricultural revolution. I would say where we're going to be using less pesticides, we're going to be using less in the way of imported fertilizers, we're going to be recycling nutrients more, we're going to try and sequester carbon in the soils, we're going to be less dependent on inputs. But this is putting the is, is putting the initiative back in the hands of farmers. And There's not enough money to pay for huge um, suites of replicated trials here, there and everywhere. And in any case, the results quite often differ so much between farms and between farmers and farming systems. So I think there's a very strong case for uh, farmers to be keeping their own records, working out what's happening on their own farms, and then cooperation, sharing results, monitor farms. There's never been a bigger case and a better case for for monitor farms. You can start by keeping accurate records. Um, Everybody can start keeping accurate records on their own farms. It's never too late to start uh, your own soil monitoring programme. You're probably already sampling for... So pH, uh, extractable p and k um, maybe and, and magnesium, but it's certainly worth looking at soil organic matter and actually keeping a, a record of the earthworm numbers that you're, you're 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 um recording as well from what you're saying, the earthworm numbers are very good they're a very good indicator of of biological soil health. And the other thing that's that's worth thinking about I'm not saying do it yet because I'm not convinced myself that we know how to interpret the results. Um, some kind of microbial profiling for soils or a, an, another alternative biological test these are in development just now all over the place, some people are selling them for a lot of money and I'm not convinced that farmers are going to get the benefit out of them yet but I do think it will come
0: C- Can you you just uh, tell me Audrey uh, uh, I've tried adding uh, gypsum to the compost Uh
2: uh, why would why would you do
0: that? Well, really, just because because I I, I I thought gypsum was a great soil conditioner, and if I chuck it in with the compost, that it, it basically gets spread for free, or or I yeah, don't you need to get an additional uh, spreader in to spread it. Um, the contractor seemed to be pretty pleased. He, th- he thinks it makes a better quality product. Uh, no, I don't
2: agree. Um I don't agree. Um gypsum basically you apply it for two reasons. Um you would apply it for its sulfur content uh-huh. and also sulfur. There is uh, I used to actually advocate its spread um as a clay breaker, in other words, it, as a soil conditioner for soils that contain a significant proportion of clay. Um there's actually unfortunately no scientific evidence for that um, I, i'm still I'm, I'm still not very sure that that's not right but uh, i did a review alongside uh, some guys in scottish ag- agronomy on this and sure enough when you look at the science there's no evidence that gypsum actually does work well other than to break up clays in sodic soils which we don't have you know sodium enriched soils which we don't have in this country um, I I wouldn't put it in with the compost. I don't think it's a particularly great idea. It's basically calcium calcium sulfate, as you know. Yeah. So it's it's not it's not going to change the pH at all of the of the compost, and it wouldn't change the pH of the soil either. It's basically should only be applied in as a as a sulfur fertilizer at really quite low rates. You get lots of people disagreeing with me on that and saying that it does does improve the structure of of uh, clay soils. I'm not convinced that it doesn't, but there's no significant evidence. There's no scientific evidence that gypsum actually works. I I would say no to putting it on the compost.
0: Okay, right. can I ask you another one then? What about rock dust? You know, like dolomite, the volcanic rock dust? Yeah. Is is that a worthwhile thing to add to to help the soil?
2: I would say the jury's out. Um, Uh I've done quite a bit of I was basically my, my short answer, if I was forced to give one would be no. It's very expensive. Okay. Um, I, is it, yes, yeah. I would say, I mean, I've done quite a lot of work on, on this. Uh, I've done trials on soils which were uh, really quite poor and also soils which were better. I've used rock dust at the manufacturer's recommended rate, which I'm afraid I can't remember what it is. And also at the manufacturer's recommended rate mixed in with compost, there was no significant increase in crop yields. And it's quite an expensive material to be putting on. So I would say I would never rubbish anything until trying it on your own farm. I think the likelihood is you probably won't get any benefit from it at all, considering the cost of it. If what you're needing is trace elements and minerals that they claim rock dust is full of, there's a lot of cheaper ways of getting them into your soils than that, because those are very, very unavailable. They're, they're all they're all locked up. I think if you apply okay. it with compost, then the compost bugs will probably help to solubilize some of these minerals. But I still think there's easier ways to you know identify what trace elements are missing in your soil and then apply those rather than this just sort of random scattergun approach you get from rock dust.
0: Sure. I mean, it, it really sounds like I should be just keeping things simple and trying to get some wood chip in there and leaving it at that, I think.
2: Yes, I would say that's the case. The other thing is um, I'm always deeply sceptical about taking agronomic advice from anybody who's trying to sell you something. <laughs> and uh, <Yes. laughs> um, sure. so th- I, was, I was getting a very hard sell on rock dust, but they forgot that I would probably do a you know a replicated trial on it. And then I did and it didn't yeah. work. So it has worked, it has apparently worked for some people but if you'll find if you look at the the test results from their from their sales blurb it's all anecdotal or most of it's anecdotal rather than you know hard scientific facts so by all means try anything though you know I always encourage farmers if you, if you really are convinced that something might be the thing for you do a trial do one quarter yeah. of a field with one quarter of a field without or one batch of compost with one without Look at whether there's anything better in it. Anything working for you? And if you think there is, then look harder, because it may well be working for you.
1: I think uh, my my sort of summary order. Correct me if if I'm wrong, but uh, it would be that Jim um, is currently no worse off um, with his strategy, but um, the 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 difficulty is quant- quantifying any benefits. Um, Compared to applying of um, an FYM product instead, and I guess that's where, where the um, I guess that's where the um, I guess that's where the the monitoring comes into it, and and um, and I guess we'll find out more in the future whether these products actually have have got an effect.
2: Yes, I think there's going to be uh, there's a keen interest in them now. I mean, some people are looking at rock dust as a if you apply rock dust to salt to soil, you apparently sequester much more carbon. Well, really, I'm not. I'm not saying no. I'm saying, well, let's look at it a bit harder because I've not seen any evidence for that at all. I, I think um, some of there's definitely a bit of snake oil being sold out there in agriculture at the moment, and uh, there's probably a lot of good in 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 the, some of it, and. Uh, pointless um a lot of it really the the golden rule is exactly what you said there, george um keep records of everything monitor what's happening and try and work out for yourself what's working on your farm and what's not and by all means share because there's other farmers out there will be prepared to share their results as well and the more people that, that um, talk to each other about this the faster we'll achieve some progress
0: yeah i, I, th- I think probably ultimately on a, on a kind of global scale audrey the the aim should surely be to to recycle everything that's organic back into the soil rather than sending it to landfill would would that not be what we should be aiming for
2: 100 percent right and that's that is scottish government strategy i mean they're kind of falling behind but their target was to i think it was supposed to be this year the end of this year Oh, no, it was next year actually that they should be banning organic waste from landfill. Well, they failed in yeah. that, um, and it's been put back quite a number of years. But that's 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 the idea. We shouldn't be generating methane by bunging organic waste in landfill. We should be recycling it, thereby saving resources um, and using it in a sustainable way. So yes, you're absolutely right.
1: Yeah, no, uh, I think that's a great um, place to close there. I just wanted to say. Uh, Jim, Jim, thank you very much for uh, joining us today and uh, giving us a, a, such an a honest insight into your business and what, what you're doing. Thank you very much. And Audrey, um, thank you very much um, for providing a, a more scientific um, ex- explanation of um, some of these bulky organic fertilizers. Thank you very much and uh, just for anybody listening that would like more information on composting, uh, please please visit the Farm Advisory Service YouTube channel where you will find uh, the recording of our uh, Borders Nutrient Network Farm maximum and Magic um, webinar which we had back in October. You can also find Um, Meeting one, uh, where we talked about soil and tissue testing and meeting three, where we we looked at Ye Nutrition. There's also a whole other host of of webinars and podcasts available on the Farm Advisory Service website. So uh, please don't hesitate to check that content out. Thanks very much.